Welcome back to another episode of Back and Forth with Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. My name is John Vandergriff. This is Zach Hill, the infamous Zach Hill of Remedy Coffee. Uh, he's looking for a great plumber, if uh, you know any. But uh, no, so what we're going to talk about with today's episode is inflation. Uh, and again, you know, it is a topic that is important to plan for. A lot of people have different opinions on how to go about doing that, but we want to talk about, you know, What's going on today, the likelihood of inflation taking place, what things we can do to try to plan for that, all of those different topics, I guess. Any, yeah, anything it's to add to that? Inflation for the first time, and it feels like a long time, years and years, actually looks like a legitimate possibility. Mm-hmm. So, And, you, and you, we've started seeing that in markets and people, more and more people talking about what does inflation look like. And so I think it's worth having a conversation of what actually what actually is inflation. <laughs> I mean, wow. it's everybody has their own personal belief of what inflation is. How does it happen? What does it affect for your for your overall financial situation? Yeah. All those things. Inflation is just always talked about, and yet everybody seems to have their own definition of what inflation actually is. So the Bob Fugit definition. For <laughs> those of you who don't know that, he's the founder of our company. My father-in-law says the definition for inflation is too much money chasing too few of goods. That's pretty good. I haven't, yeah, I haven't so, heard that. Yeah. So um, that, that's the ball. And, and again, a pretty good way to define that. And, and we are starting to see through recent events with, you know, stimulus plans mm-hmm. and money just kind of coming to people for a variety of reasons. We are having more and more money being printed, more and more money showing up. The amount of goods, you know, when you have an economy that shuts down, you know, for a period of time, <laughs> yeah, obviously limits the amount of goods that are available. Um, but there also will be some implications of that in the future, you know, as we continue to move forward. So I guess, Zach, where, where do you want to start us off with that discussion? I think you hit the nail on the head there when we are talking about this, because as we sit here uh, pretty much exactly a year after COVID began and the pandemic began, that's really what we're talking about when we talk about inflation is year-over-year price increases. So what you buy today and how much more expensive that is today than it was a year ago, that's the, you know, if you want to get really technical about inflation, we can talk about that. But um, it's really important to have perspective on where we were Uh, and because that's what's going to color how much prices have increased over the last year. And talking about where we were a year ago versus where we are now because they're completely different scenarios. So uh, we talked about this actually on this podcast a year ago. is we as we began the COVID-19 pandemic, there were a lot of crazy things in markets and in the world that were happening. And yeah. so uh, one of the easiest ways to think about this and one of the places that it really impacts you the most it, and that we saw it first was at the gas pump. Yeah. People weren't traveling. People weren't driving. Oil at one on one day actually traded at negative prices. And so that... You, you weren't paying, I mean, that was the lowest gas prices have been in my adult lifetime was there was a two or three week period where gas, I thought gas might dip below a dollar a gallon in yeah. Knoxville. And so as we sit here today, oil is back to the $60 a barrel range. It was in the 40 to 60 range for the last five or so years. So it's back in the $60 barrel range. Well, guess what? Of course, gas is more expensive. Gas was that there was one day where it was negative, and now we're at sixty dollars a barrel. You can't even do a formula on that because it was negative. Yeah. And so that is one of the places where you start to see inflation creeping in, and it's really exactly what you talked about. There were, 
I mean, there was just no demand. There was no demand, and there was all kinds of supply because what happened a few weeks after oil hit negative is people started getting stimulus checks in their bank account. So we started getting all kinds of money coming in, but we weren't really spending it. And uh, oil is a really good practical place to see that because every, you know almost everybody fills up a car with gas on a regular basis. Uh, but there's also some metrics that we can use to look at that. So one of the things that I mentioned is that as we started to see uh, the economy kind of shut down, people got more money in their bank accounts. Yeah. And that's kind of counterintuitive to think because the unemployment rate shot up. Well, what actually happened is the government offered all kinds of assistance and money came into the bank account. And the number that I want to use for this is the personal savings rate. So the U.S. Con- US consumers historically, and this is over the last 25 years or so, have saved somewhere between 4 to 7% of their disposable income. Mm-hmm. So that's what the, that's how much they're saving. Where, where they save it, I don't know. I mean, it's bank accounts, IRAs, Roths. Yeah. However you save it, it's 4 to 7%. During March of 2020, that 4%, that 4 to 7% range went to f- about 35% mm. because there was, nobody was spending money. So we right. saw the highest personal savings rate the U.S. economy has ever seen. Well, if nobody's spending money, then prices keep stay low. Right. So as we sit a year later, prices have to be higher. They just have to be. Yeah. And that's, that's why I think it's always important to start off on that point that we do have inflation. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad. It's good because now people are spending money again. You know, some of this that we are going to talk about, but just where we were a year ago to now, since that really is what we talk about when we talk about inflation, it's just such such a different economy from where we were a year ago. Because now we're talking about vaccines reopening and all these other things. So of course people are spending more money. Yeah, and I think you know the the biggest implication that we find with. The way that inflation and normally inflation and interest rates kind of work in the same, yep. you know, and we, we even talked about this not on the podcast about how oil, oil doesn't make inflation happen, but it is a pretty good indicator of inflation over time, yep. you know, as far as like oil prices. And what we've seen is, you know, oil prices have gone up significantly, which may be a precursor for inflation uh, widespread, but, but interest rates going up from a investment planning and financial planning point is something that is extremely, it's negative uh, to the way that some people are investing and positive to the way that others are, you know. So like, uh, as interest rates go up, and you have money in bank accounts, you're happier because it's making, you know, which we've not seen that come back yet. (laughs) You know, it's like, bank accounts want to (laughs) cut rates very quickly, but then raise them very slowly. but on so like as as your personal savings in you know kind of cash protected positions it will have more growth potential as interest rates go up but bonds will lose right. you know interest rates and and what we saw last year was a time where we dropped interest rates to record lows at zero to try to help safeguard but it also made all the bond accounts that a lot of people had worth more money than they've ever been worth you know in a very short <laughs> right. period of time and we're starting to see the impact of that um so you know, we can talk a little bit about that because I think for for people listening, like we're we're fairly early in that movement, mm-hmm. and we've already seen pretty significant implications of it. And so it's it is a time where kind of ringing that bell and saying, "Hey, <laughs> before this gets worse, it may be good to transition out of this particular right." Asset. And Maybe it's a good thing. We talked about that a lot on the podcast. Is interest rates all time lows? You mentioned mm-hmm. it. So 
what's happened now is the 10-year has come up more than 1% from its lows of around 40 basis points. So now we're looking at a 10-year treasury rate of 1.6%. Now, two years ago, the 10-year was above 3%. So it could, you know, I mean, we have a lot of room to go potentially on interest rates increasing. But from this all-time low perspective, we are up to a a point where we're more than 1% higher from those lows. And 1%, yeah, okay, it's 1% on the Treasury, but when you're looking at a rate that's clo- as close to zero as it's ever been before, 1% is a lot. That was, yeah. I mean, it increased by more than four times. If you want to talk about it that way, the Treasury rate is up more than four times what it was uh, at its absolute lows. So it's the interest rates coming up was a story that they didn't have anywhere, they couldn't go down. They were at zero. You couldn't, I mean, unless the U.S., started to trade into negative territory, like much of the rest of the world is, interest rates only had one place to go. So you've seen a lot of bond investors have had a lot of pain in the last few months, uh, where the last 30 years or so, interest rates by and large have only come down. So now if we ever start to see interest rates increasing, bond investors are going to be in for some pain that they haven't had in a long time. And we were, uh, I mean, one example of this is the TLT ETF, which is just long-term treasury bonds. Safest bond in the world, but a longer-term bond is down 20% from its highs. I mean, we're that is that is technically an S&P 500 bear market right there in the long-term treasury bond yeah. in something that a lot of people assume just doesn't have risk because it's a U.S. government bond. Yeah. But if you were holding that three months ago and holding it now, you're down about you know you down about 20% from those highs. Right. And so again, when you look at it, this is where investors start to get confused because you know this is something that obviously inflation has the potential to be very good for markets, you know, because like if your companies increase their prices, they have more revenue, then they're showing more profitability, stocks can go up, but it can be something that can be very damaging to safeguards in a Mm -hmm. portfolio. Um, But it is one of those things where it's not always a, like the thing that I think a lot of investors think is, oh, if stocks go up, bonds sequentially have to go down. And then they, they're always moving opposite of one another. And that does happen a pretty good bit of the time, I guess. Right. Because it, but it's not – it could more be attributed, and you can tell me if this is accurate or not, uh, to when the markets go down, people get scared, and then they can yep. get more conservative. And so then you can have bonds go up in value <laughs> artificially because, you know, just average investor movement. Um, that's a factor, but not necessarily – true for everything exactly that's it's there's so many different levers that get pulled to cause interest rates to move higher and lower and people to move in and out of stocks and bonds but you're exactly right over a long period of time they are negatively correlated Mm -hmm. but a long period of time is an average of you know could be five years they're negatively correlated but there are certainly times where they're moving together. We've seen that even uh, in the last few years where we've seen stocks have 20 plus percent returns on a year and bonds also made money still. Yeah. It's like, that's, well, that's not a negative correlation. Everything's going up. Yeah. Um, and so that doesn't necessarily have to happen. It just depends on why it's happening. So as you alluded to, inflation is not all bad. It's bad for bond investors. Absolutely, inflation is bad for bond investors because interest rate. One of the determinations of interest rates are inflation and, and inflation expectations. And so, as yeah. as people expect more inflation, interest rates go up. Bad for bonds. 
but also, as you alluded to, good for stocks, can be good for personal investors. If you have refinanced a mortgage in the last year and locked in a 3% interest rate on your house and inflation starts to happen, that 3% interest rate is amazing. You're right. now, your money that you are paying back is now that you, when you locked that in is worth a lot less because of inflation, but that's good because you hold debt. Yep. Yeah. So as we look at it, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, what we're seeing right now and what we've been talking to people about lately is, you know, as crazy as 2020 was, we saw all time high stock values, all time high bond values. Right. You know, and that's not a good recipe to say, I feel very stable in this. Let's move forward. You know, it's one of those where it's like it is a good time to evaluate and say, okay, there are elements of my portfolio that can positively correlate to inflation. You know, like stocks, yep. you know, real estate, as you alluded to, maybe some commodity top investments, you know, whenever you are choosy. <laughs> it's um, just we know it, I've, I've said this a lot. There's <clears> not a, <throat> there's not a ceiling on stock prices. There's just not because yeah. con- companies can continue to invent new products and make money. But you know that when interest rates are at zero, <laughs> there's only one direction for them to go. Yeah. And I would say that now if you were looking at the at interest rates, uh, now versus a year and a half ago, instead of a year ago, you would say, oh, interest rates are pretty much at zero. The Fed is at zero. The Fed it cannot lower interest rates. Instead, they will not lower interest rates anymore. So if the Fed is not going to lower interest rates anymore, what is the only move that they potentially can do over the next few years? Raise. Right. It's just, it's a, it's a formula at this <clears throat> point. But see, what's going to happen as a result of this is, unfortunately, if people are only using stocks and bonds then they're going to start to see some of the negative movement in bonds, shift more money into stocks, and then we're going to have a crash, and you're going to have some people that are at the wrong end of their life to have <laughs> yep. that much money in the stock market losing because the bonds weren't doing what they've traditionally done. Because it's a chain reaction. It's, <clears throat> okay, inflation starts happening, so interest rates start rising. Well, what happens when inflation starts rising is the Fed raises interest rates. Mm-hmm. So then interest rates go up even more. Well, when interest rates keep going up like that, eventually stocks are going to fall because that does impact stocks as well. Overall, it can be positive, and in the long term, stocks would would be okay, I believe. But in that short period of time, when the Fed starts raising interest rates, historically, stocks have fallen. And mm-hmm. so you get in that scenario, like you said, where investors have not evaluated their entire portfolio or taken smart risks and are holding stocks because they didn't want to hold bonds when interest rates were so low. So they moved to a much riskier asset class. And they're just, that that trade-off, it can be good. But overall, that's not the whole picture. Yeah. And so again, it's just understanding fundamental things like inflation and and making sure that you have an answer for it, I think is the big thing because it's not, and I tell people this all the time, like too many individuals don't think about planning for inflation because they've never had to plan for inflation. (laughs) Exactly. Like your, your boss gave you a cost of living adjustment on your wages. And if they didn't give you enough of one, then you're like, I hate this job. I'm gonna go find somewhere else where I can get paid more. But that valuation increase over time is what has helped you fight against inflation. When you get to a retirement phase of life, you are now the one who decides, (laughs) am I fighting inflation? And if you've never come to terms with it being a real thing, then, you know, it becomes a problem. Like we had a a family that came in a few weeks ago and they were talking about, they always buy big SUVs because they have a lot of family, they go on trips and different things. And so they want to have that big of a vehicle. They don't like to buy them new, especially now because they're really expensive. And they priced a new Lincoln Navigator that was $80,000 
And they said, that was more than my first house cost. Yeah. And so now you've got a, a situation where that's inflation in a nutshell. When you get something that is far less of a monetary seeming commitment, uh, when it gets to be on par with your most monetary seeming commitment in your life, your home, you know, that just shows you the impact of rising costs over a period of time. And it's kind of a wake up call for people. But unfortunately, are we allowing ourselves to move out of this busyness to say, oh, my gosh, this is a reality right. and then do something about it? Yeah. And it's also something that a lot of people now who are in that mindset haven't really had to think about because inflation has been relatively subdued. There have mm-hmm. been some costs that, like you said, housing, there's definitely been housing booms and housing busts. There have been, there have been practical goods, but overall inflation has been that have practical goods that have increased in price. But overall inflation has been between one and 3% really since the eighties. Mm-hmm. But in the seventies, there's a lot of people who are like, I remember interest rates were 15% because inflation was 15%. Yeah. And we were and inflation was wild. And so from a broader perspective, inflation has been has been a lot lower, but it's just been this kind of steady, steady plotting of inflation at about 2%. But now if you start to see it, it's a big shock because you've gotten into this, you're okay, things will be moderately more expensive, but not really super, super expensive because there's a lot of, I mean, cars are cars are off obviously expensive, houses are more expensive. You can get a TV now for $200 that would have cost you $5,000 right. seven or eight years ago. So there's a lot of positives that are happening. And that's why it's not always just as cut and dry, but overall, we're seeing now that we have potentially uh, more possibility for inflation than we've had maybe in the last 30 or 40 years. Yeah. We just have it. Interest rates are zero. Everything's, you know, people are about to spend a lot of money. And I, I personally believe that. I think it seems like everybody believes that. The stock market certainly has believed it, that people are about to spend a lot of money. And so what does that mean is that prices are going to go up because companies can raise prices. Yep. So as we look at it with inflation, you know, and I don't know what charts you have there, but what are some things that we can use as kind of a metric moving forward? Obviously, we've got historical inflation rates that are around 3% historically. Right. But, you know, as we move forward, what is kind of the expectation there? What are some things that we need to look at? So um, one of the easiest ways to look at inflation expectations is by taking what is what are called the break-evens. And so that is essentially what is... Um, is a difference in interest rate between two types of bonds. You have just your regular treasury, so you have a 10-year treasury bond, but then you also have what's called a TIP, which is a treasury inflation-protected security. So yep. it's a bond that pays some small interest rate plus an inflation rate. And the and the inflation rate that it's p- paying is constantly moving up and down. Uh, and that's the rate that we call break-even. So what is the what is that rate have to be where the TIPs and the treasuries are the exact same? Yeah. So And that's what markets really use as as an inflation expectation. And so they're called five and 10-year break-evens. And so when we talk about, let's say, a five-year break-even, that break-even is the interest rate that, uh, or the the interest rate that's going to equal the tips and equal the treasuries, but it's average over the five years. Mm-hmm. So we, so then you have a 10-year break-even, which is what's the inflation rate going to have to average over a 10-year period. So it's not saying inflation is going to be this. It's just a formula. But what we see is that markets really use these to predict inflation. Yeah. So I'm as I, you know, kind of take a look, I've got these charts pulled up. The five year break even uh one year ago was zero. So as we sit as we sit in March 20, 2021, a year ago, so March 2020, 
that in markets expected an average of zero percent inflation yeah. for a five-year period. As I, as we said earlier, negative oil, nobody spending money, nobody knows right. what's going on. Of course, that happens. Now we're sitting at about two and a half percent, so we've come up dramatically. That's okay. Two and a half percent inflation. Like I said, it's that's really not that bad. Well, that's higher than it's been in the last ten years. Yeah. That break even has not been at two and a half percent for ten for ten years. Yeah. So now markets are expecting more inflation over the next five years than what we've ha- what we've seen in recent history. And I think that's really important because it's it's important to have the perspective of yes, this is lower, but it's also important to say okay. Sure, it's lower than it was in the 70s, but it's higher than it was for the last 10 years. So that's what we're, if we're looking at measures in the 10-year, the 10-year break-even is about at its high point. And it's, that 10-year break-even is also a little bit below 2.5%. So they tend to move pretty similarly. But what the markets are saying to me when you look at the 5 versus the 10-year is they're expecting inflation now. It's not in for year 4, year 5. They're expecting it right now. Yeah, because, you know, if, if they were expecting a, a later inflation, you'd see that five-year be a little lower and the exactly. ten-year be a little higher. Exactly. So now those are inverted. So, we see, so we're expecting that inflation now, which, again, like I said, people are about to spend a lot of money. We've gotten three stimulus checks at this point. There's a lot of, there's a lot of pent-up demand. Well, and I think, too, we have to put inflation in context, you know, because, like, sometimes people will say, how do you say there's no inflation when milk's gone up in price, but, you know, everything else hasn't? You know, it just it depends There's, on where you are. Right. But then also, like, going back to the early 80s when we did have a 15% 30-year treasury, you know, CDs were paying 12%. Mortgage rates were 18 to 22%. You know, so it's all relative to each other, you know, as far as right. how, how good something is on paper versus how bad it is. And so, like you were saying, you know, we have to shrink down this landscape of where we see inflation to see the impact that it can have. Even with a small one percent movement, right. you know you can have a drastic, you know, situation different. You know, Finra a few years ago put out an article for bonds, like we were talking about, where a one percent increase in interest rates could cause you to lose ten percent in your bonds. And we've actually seen more than that <laughs> in the longer term treasuries, but about that in the kind of ten year range, right? Right now, so. So, I mean, it is one of those things where that relative increase is something we need to pay attention to because even if a 1% increase doesn't sound like a lot, the ripple effects from it can be huge, you know, as far as in a, in a short Ex- period of time. Exactly, because you don't, like we talked about earlier, you hold those bonds as a safer part of your portfolio, but if you hold a bond and it loses 20%, that's a lot. Mm. That is a big, that is, like I said, that, that that's what we call a bear market in the S&P 500 is that 20% mark. So if you're holding a bond and, yeah. you, and it just lost 20% and on the flip side, it's paying an interest rate that's still about 3%. So it's, it, if we're looking at the really long-term bonds, that's nothing. I mean, yeah. you're not getting it, you're not getting compensated hard, you're barely getting compensated inflation rates right now for right. holding something that just lost 20%. And that's with a 1% increase. Right. So, I mean, if it goes up again and it's potentially another, tw- like, you know. It's- so, yeah, exactly. Because that's the what we know is we knew that there's a floor at zero for interest rates, relatively speaking. It's not, I mean, but we also know that interest rates have been as high as 15, 20% in the past. Personally, I don't think that's ever going to happen again. Right. The, Fed, the Federal Reserve is not going to raise interest rates enough to the point. There was a point where the overnight rate was 20%. I mean, yeah. the overnight interest rate was 20%. So that's crazy. But that's, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but what if it's, you know, what if it's 5%? That's, you know, if the, if the, 10-year treasury can yield 5%. That's a, another 3.5% more it can go. So we're talking about yeah, a... We're doubling 
Yeah, we're just going to double and then double again, and right. and those those are real implications right now for people who are in retirement or nearing retirement because that's that's really where it's going to impact you the most is if you're in one of those two scenarios because people who are younger that doesn't one they shouldn't be in bonds probably but yeah. two is that's just really not going to impact them as much um, but the, if you're looking in retirement and you're thinking gosh I have all these bonds I wanted them for income but Maybe that's not a risk that we want to take right now because interest rates are still so low. Yeah. Well, and two, the the other thing that we have to talk about with inflation, because it will have a direct impact on it, is uh, minimum wage. You know, there's a lot of news right. about the $15 minimum wage, which would have been borderline catastrophic, <laughs> definitely for small business. But it's just the the effects that that one decision has on so many areas of our economy. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, you think about it, if like you have the real cost of more than doubling a minimum wage federally, but then the assumptions that are made off of that, if I'm somebody making $20 an hour right now, and I'm almost three times whatever the minimum wage is, and then that gets increased to a point where I'm barely above what I could make somewhere else, my expectation is my wages should increase, you know, and then it goes up the ladder that way. Yeah, and I have, uh, I mean, we right now at Remedy at starting is uh, about a little bit above minimum wage, plus you make tips, so they make a lot more than that, than minimum wage. But if we had had to move and step up to a $15 minimum wage as a base pay, 100% the price of coffee would go up. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's an everyday thing. Now, there's a lot of, there's like I said, that's one input to inflation, so it doesn't necessarily guarantee that inflation would go up. I thought... We talk about printing money. I thought in 2008 when the Fed started buying up bonds that inflation was just going to come and kill everything, and then we never had it. But there are definitely practical implications to that because I can tell you that right now that $3 cup of coffee would have been $3.50. I can control that input, and I would have controlled it because I had my costs just went up so much. Uh, But but then, I mean, it's just the the conversation of what does that – can a business increase the costs and survive that? Yeah. You know, it's it's not the, like like we talked about, 50 cents is pretty relative number to $3 cup of coffee. Yeah. But it's like, what's the turnaround time on seeing the uh, revenue come back into the company mm-hmm. versus the costs that are coming out, you know, that's now set at a rate where... And if inflation is increasing, but you also get wage increases, then some of that is good. Because mm-hmm. like I said, if you have a mortgage and my wages increase and inflation increases, my mortgage payment's fixed. That's mm-hmm. great. Like my, that's, that my debt, percentage my debt to income ratio is great. So yeah. there's, there's, there are some things that are good, but overall it becomes, it's just something we don't even have to think about right now. It's, yeah. we don't have to have this conversation because that's not what's going on. But mm-hmm. if that starts happening, then we start to have to think about, okay, well, maybe inflation does happen. Maybe I do ask for a raise at work because I was making $15 an hour and it was double the minimum wage. And now that is the minimum wage. Yeah. Well, and it's just, I think you can build a little bit of that expectation into the inflation conversation right. we're having because as close, even though that was a fail, um, you know, it's one of those where he or the system as it is now, it didn't get passed, but it got close enough that we know that it's probably going to be moving in that direction at some point. And so that's going to be built into that yeah. five to 10 year bucket. 
Yep, I think it's definitely going to be happening at some point. Uh, I mean, we're going to see minimum wage come up at some point anyways. It hasn't increased in over 10 years, so it will be coming up. It's just a matter of how does that, how does that actually happen? Um, because it, it 100% will be coming up in the, ne- in the next few years because it just hasn't in a while. Um, but there is, uh, I know I wanted to include this because as we were talking about this, I thought about this and pulled this up. This is, a, as we talk about the pros and cons of inflation and it not having a, an absolute direct impact anywhere, uh, There's, a, it, this is something that I just think is... Uh, it's it's just funny. There's not another way to put it. This is from Ben Carlson and his blog, and it's an old Radio Shack ad. Uh, and so this is, I think it's from the 90s, but it's got a lot of different stuff on it. And it's 0% interest, no payments until May. Computer is, is $1,600 for a desktop PC. You can get a cell, a cell phone that was the old bag phone for $200. A deluxe portable CD player for $160. There is... Yep, a scanner that's $100. There's another phone that's $30, a speaker that's $150. All of those things we're looking at, I mean, you're looking at over $2,000 of products. I can do that with my phone. (laughs) Every single one of those things can be done with my phone that is half price. So there are a lot of places where we see inflation, but there's also a lot of technology that has helped for the last 15 years. But it's just, it's when you look at that and you think that's hilarious, I can do all those things with now something that I keep in my pocket on a regular basis. Yeah. Uh, there's, it's always, there's, there's always perspective to be had. Uh, and there's definitely some, you know, as we talk about bonds and all the other things, there's bad inflation, but that's just something that every time you see that and you think about that, you're like, wow, that really was how it was in the late nineties and so many different things. I mean, obviously iPhones weren't invented then. Yeah. Um, but it's just some things like that are just crazy to look back and think about. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. So hopefully you've enjoyed this discussion. Um, you know, I don't think we all enjoy when costs go up. We enjoy when we make more money and the costs stay the same, but it's just kind of a byproduct of inflation over time. But, you know, as you look at that, practical implications for planning will just be looking at things to adjust well to inflation, trying to remove yourself from things that go down with it. But knowing that it's a real thing is the first step. And right. then how do we respond to it is what we want to look at moving forward. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed our conversation today, back and forth with Blue Ridge Wealth. We look forward to seeing you next time. But until then, uh, hopefully you have a great rest of the day that you listen to this on. And uh, we look forward to sharing more information with you later. Investment advisory services offered through Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through Madison Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, MAS, and Blue Ridge Wealth Planners are not affiliated companies.